Hi, this is Dax Jacobson, and you're listening to the Rural Towns Project Podcast, where I combine my day job as a business professor with my love for the rural American West I grew up in. In the podcast, I talk to the people who are actually trying to make a living in, and to the researchers, artists, and others inspired by, the rural towns of the American West. I hope to help myself and others understand the past, appreciate the present, and positively impact the future of rural towns in the American West. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I talk to Roger Roper from the Historic Preservation Program for the State of Utah. Preservation of buildings on rural main streets is something that keeps coming up on the podcast, including this month with the focus on Morgan, Utah. Roger and I talk about his role with the Historic Preservation Office, how he got the position, and his decades-long preservation work in Utah and elsewhere. We talk about the work happening now in Utah related to Main Street preservation and his thoughts on the opportunities and challenges associated with historic rural preservation. We end, as always, with the road trip music question. Roger Roper, thank you so much for being on the Rural Towns Project podcast. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. I know you're busy, um, so let's jump right in. Can you start out by talking about your role at the Utah State Historic Preservation Office, including maybe your background? I know you've been involved in this stuff in, around the West for a lot of years, and, and just your background in historic preservation and how you got to be in your current role. Well, I've been involved in historic preservation since the early 1980s. Oh, wow. With the private firm initially. Yeah. uh, Doing architectural surveys in Salt Lake City. It was an architecture and planning firm. So I got to see a lot of buildings. Yeah. And with a lot of uh, the people at the state office. And I, so after a few years, I got on with the state historic preservation office in Utah. And I worked there for 20 years. Wow head of the historic preservation department we have an archaeology team but in 2003 i got the head job in oregon okay state historic preservation office archaeology and historic buildings so i was there until 2015 and then came back to utah in kind of what i'm thinking is the final chapter of my career so i volunteered to be the um first person in our office to run a regional office we've never oh. had one before so i'm down in san Pete county okay and handle central and southern utah issues the main team is up in salt lake and so we we work together regularly but my involvement in main street goes back to my first stint in utah we worked to try to get a main street program a state program that would support local main street efforts that was successful it, it was approved by the legislature in about 94 hmm. and ran through about 2006. So oh, wow. I had already gone to Oregon by then, but it was a, a very successful program. And we worked very closely with the person who ran that program. It was really a one person operation. Wow. And he worked with a do- dozens of communities around the state. So in Oregon, I wanted to get a Main Street program going. So we were successful in getting that. Oh, very cool. Well. And that's been going since about 2007. And then I came back to Utah <laughs> and it's gone away. So we've been working to get that back. And so this past year, a team of us from different state agencies have been running a pilot program hmm. sponsored primarily by the Governor's Office of Economic Development. Okay. So anyway, we had two pilot communities, Brigham City and Price. And we've been working with them for the past year and a half. We got the legislature to approve a new Main Street program, which will kick off on July 1st. Oh, great. Congratulations. We're just busy trying to get all the 
ducks in a row to to watch that. I'm sure. That's kind of my long <laughs> I mean, we seem to have a a governor, especially, and an administration. Right? He's very proud of his rural roots, and I, and I'm glad to see that. So I think we kind of have a moment for rural, which is great. For the new program, how many communities do you hope to to work with each year? Well, they're in it for the long haul, so every year we would just see that growing. Okay. And we have two now, and we have several who are kind of waiting in the wings. We're setting up the the steps of how you a community what would they they need to do to really become a main street partner with us you know they can any any community could say well we're kind of interested we'll sit in on some of your webinars right but we can't really jump in in a full-fledged way the communities that do want to official partner we expect by the end of the year i'm just guessing we may have eight or twelve oh wow communities that have are in some stage of trying to achieve that that's <laughs> that seems like a lot of work well it is so, <laughs> it's exciting work yeah and so the way we've set it up is similar to the, the program we had in oregon mm. and washington state's done much the same thing where it's a tiered program and so communities at the lower tier as i mentioned they may just be interested yeah but they're not going to have a dedicated staff person they may not have all the committee structures set up they haven't really learn the main street approach right. that we're putting. Then there's a middle tier of those that are striving. And then there's a third tier for those that have really arrived and have, and are really clicking along. And that would be the, so the higher your tier is, the more attention you get from the program sure. administrator. It's the only way to prioritize resources. Can you give us give us a little example of what's what's going on in Brigham and Price, how the, how the pilot programs worked and some of the things that they did, those two communities? Well, sure. So the, the basic structure that we are using is the National Main Street okay. program, their four-point approach. So they, they really focus on four aspects of downtown revitalization. And I don't I won't get into those right now. So both of those communities have have set up some committees to deal with those four areas. And we meet with them regularly. We, we meet, uh, we've been meeting every other month virtually oh, wow. with the advisory group that we have of these different agencies. And we were all doing things in small towns. So it's just a way for us to come together in a coordinated way to help the communities out more. So we've been meeting regularly and we last fall gave out some uh, facade improvement grants in both communities. Okay. So that's where people get excited is when they can see something actually happening rather than just committee work. Right. <laughs> right. And so just just last week, one of the projects in Brigham City uh, was completed. So that's, and others are underway, well underway. And we just gave a new round of grants to the communities, the two communities. And the approach we took this time, because contracting is difficult for GoEd, yeah. And they've got a new name now. They're not Go Ed anymore. They're Go Utah. That's right. So essentially, they're getting a block grant from the Main Street pilot program. The community can then decide are they going to pass that through as facade grants to building owners? Okay. Or do they have downtown revitalization things they want to do? So, for example, Price is really interested in doing some lighting on their Main Street and improving the uh, appearance of their streetscape. Hmm. Um, Brigham City is focusing a little more on a marketing plan and some wayfinding signage uh, downtown. Okay. So those are some of the things that um, the communities 
can get involved in. Uh, we just had a webinar. Price has been sponsoring these monthly webinars. They did one just the other day on, well, they've had one on just downtown revitalization in general. Yeah. Had one on storefront marketing. How do you, how do huh. you put pizzazz and street sidewalk attractions, you know, draw people in. And then there was one a week ago on what they call tactical urbanism, which you mm. probably know about. <laughs> I've heard the term. Yeah, well, it's one of those terms that float around and it's hard to <laughs> The gist of it, and this is an important one, is that you do something really quick in a downtown area that gets people excited. Right. You take a vacant parking lot, you paint on it, you put some tables out, you get some food trucks in, and at very low cost and without a lot of noodling around, you just do it. And, yeah. and you recruit volunteers, who, uh, civic groups and students and others who may want to just come and paint or just be part of an event, you know. That then, yeah. And so anyway, the presentation a week ago was about a, a number of these kind of installations that have been done in various communities around the country. He's a local guy who had worked closely with CRSA architects. And so anyway, we were able to tap him to to be our expert on how a community could go about doing that. Very cool. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the opportunities and also some of the challenges you, you see that folks who are interested in making things happen come across. I think about where I grew up and the, the first podcast I focused on, McCam in Idaho is 700 people, Roger, and there's one basic building that is, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a preservation person, but there's one building that has character that people would say, yeah, we should keep that building. There's not much of a main street. And for years, it was a rundown grocery store, and then, you know, it was a health clinic. All sorts of things came in, and a, and a young man that I grew up with came back after experience, you know, really around the world in Washington, D.C., and doing... Um, some stuff on the side in terms of renovation and design. And he turned this building into a boutique hotel called the Harkness Hotel, which is just unbelievably beautiful. And most people in the community still to this day have never even been inside or really think about it. They think, oh, that's nice that someone did something with, <laughs> with that old building. I'm not sure they knew or really cared as long as it was still there. So, I, you know, I wonder about you've got these people who are really passionate about it and others who, you know, given the right opportunity would come and say, why don't we just raise that building to the ground? and build something else that's modern and new and, and would attract people. So I wonder if you might talk a little bit about your experience, about how you balance those things that you might see in a rural community especially. Well, yeah, so the, the Main Street program, the national program, and there are state programs in about 43 states now. Okay. It was established by the National Trust for Historic Preservation. Okay. So the premise was, let's save our old downtown buildings that are no longer functioning as the commercial center. You know, things have changed and yeah. it just function that way. So let's save the old buildings, but we have to have a purpose and we have to have a structure behind this effort. So that's when they came up with this four-point approach. And I'll just mention what that is because yeah. it is, is really relevant. So design is one. So that's fixing up the buildings and the streetscape, the physical improvements. And you want to restore your historic buildings rather than make them something phony sure. or too, too new. So design is one. Organization. You need to have the right people at the table who decided in the community they want to make this a legitimate effort. And so it's usually a public-private partnership. You get business owners, you get planners, maybe you get some city staff, and sometimes the city is the main sponsor of the Main Street program, but the 
preferred model is that it's a 501c3. Okay. And that gives it some autonomy and yep. free of the political right. type. <laughs> right. So design, organization, promotion. You need to have events going on. Mm-hmm. You need to be promoting things that would bring people downtown, whether it's concerts or parades or whatever it might be. You want people coming downtown and patronizing the business. And then the final thing is what they call economic restructuring or mm. economic vitality. Sure. And that's really getting the businesses to function more efficiently. It's recruiting new businesses, trying to find uses for the, say, the upper floor of buildings. That's a right. huge problem. You get these two, three-story buildings. They may have a shop on the lower floor. But the upper floors haven't been used maybe in decades. And so how do you get people renovating those and maybe creating housing or Mm. it could be Airbnb sorts of things or whatever? I was just going to double back to your initial question. Sure. What sort of things we see happening? Yeah. What are some of the impediments? And one of the big ones is uh, building owners who have owned their old building for a long time and they just lease it out, but it's vacant and they just don't care enough to try to jump in and do something. They're just right. worn down or they're jaded or whatever. Sure. And, and so it's sometimes really hard to get some of the people who own some of the key buildings downtown to really get on board and get enthusiastic about it. And so that's a problem right there. Yeah. Have building code issues that can be a problem, yeah. you know, and the second story thing, you know, egress is a problem. If you've yeah. got housing on the second floor and you don't have adequate egress, you're dead in the water. You can't get people there. There is politics that can be a problem. Of course. Yep. And so, you know, so for example, Price, they're really in sync over there right now. They've got a pretty new mayor. They've got a councilwoman who's involved. They've got a city staff person. They've got the AOG um, right there in Price and they're helping out. So everything's really working for them in that regard. But you also just have, uh, you know, personalities. Some people just don't seem to get along with some other people. And they may be shop owners who are adjacent to each other. So how do you get them working in sync and sharing a vision for how they um, go about revitalizing their downtown? Yeah. Yeah. It's fortunately, sometimes in small towns, right, those, those issues are exacerbated. <laughs> those grudges run deep and are long. <laughs> So I, I wonder if if you've got a if you've got someone listening to this podcast or someone who I come across who says, "Man, I we hear about the Main Street programs, we hear about stuff going on in other communities. I'm one business owner who owns one building on my Main Street, and no one else seems to care or is interested. What can I do? What would adv- what advice would you give them, or would you have me give them? Well, a couple of things. One, they could uh, participate. They could call, yeah. contact me, for example. Okay, I'm co-chair of main street pilot program they could just contact me and we could talk about how they might uh, get on board they could just a very easy thing is just uh, participate in the webinars that are being put on on a kind of a monthly basis and just you know it's an hour during the middle of the day yeah and start to understand the concepts the terminology all the little things that go into um, getting a program launched Another thing is we have a lot of information on historic buildings in the state, mm. tens of thousands of buildings we have research on. And so if that's one of their areas of focus, if they've got a historic building and they want to get that rehab, we have tax credits that can be an incentive for restoring an old building. So that's another way they could engage with us. 
depending on what they want to do, we've got these other partner agencies that are part of the advisory uh, board and say they have a transportation issue with UDOT. Well, we have a UDOT planner on our advisory board. Oh, nice. Or if you want access to funding through the community development office, you know, they have the community impact board funding and other source of funding. So it kind of depends on what the community's interest is. And sometimes they don't know what to ask for. So right. give them a, an overview. And if they're nearby, I'm happy to just pop over and walk around. Okay. And help them brainstorm a little bit about how we would see, what, what sort of things we would see if we were coming in fresh as, say, a consultant who was hired to help them get things going. And we'll do all that for free. Wow. So it really does sound like this is sort of the one-stop shop. This program that you've got, there's lots of opportunities, lots of connections that you could get people in the right place, whether it's working directly with you or, or like you said, one of the other agencies. Yep, that's the, that's the goal. And so, and, and having worked for the past year and a half or even more with some of these other agencies, I think we've, we've really learned how to provide more effective service to communities. And we know what each other does better so we know what agency might be the one we would refer in what this particular instance yeah and it's all at no charge so that's fantastic that's amazing so i I wonder i'm going to ask you a variation roger of what i ask rural business owners um, who either grew up you know and are running that family business or moved in from out of town and are trying to make the business go i ask them what keeps you up at night (laughs) and what gives you hope so maybe as someone trying to help these folks and help these communities we could start with what keeps you up at night what are you worried about in these communities and then what gives you hope what gives me well of course you know the historic preservation person inside of me is always worried about historic buildings getting torn down and you know we see a lot of them that aren't actively being demolished, but just demolition by neglect is, yeah. is a big problem. And so we worry about that. What else? You know, it's, you, you see these little communities, it's, it's kind of, Main Street is a long-term endeavor. And there's yeah. often, it's two steps forward and one step back or right. two steps back. Right. And so there are little discouragements that come along when you try to go about getting something going, but you just have to keep moving forward with it. Um, and so that's what gives me the hope, too. So whenever I go out and can meet with somebody and talk about their stuff, I always, on the drive home, I just feel energized. I just yeah. feel like they've got some things going here. If they can just kind of get behind them and learn how to work together, this could really be a pretty great little town. It's going to take some time, but man, that's what gives me hope. And, and it's just the fact that there are always people in communities we're the doers yeah. who step up. And, and those are the ones who invite us to come talk with them. Or That's right. Doing whatever we can to help those kind of people always makes me feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, what, what you say is what I'm finding, you know, I, as a business professor and, you know, you think about policies and different things that you would do from, you know, from private and from the state and federal, whatever it is. And really what it comes down to is, as you just mentioned, Roger, all these things we put in place that come and go over the years, it's about the people, right? It's you get some people who care and engage and you hopefully you get enough of them who are there for long enough and you see things happen. And we can we can talk about all the other stuff, which is important to support. 
but we got to make sure that it's the people that we're supporting because that was, those people that live and you know operate businesses in those real communities that's that's where the work gets done and that's that's how it happens right right I, yeah. I, go ahead so, so the main street approach you know a lot of communities have tried to do something in their communities and it's it's not been successful right it'll go a year or two or three and then somebody moves out of town and it all changes yeah so main street approach is really about putting the four legs of a table under your effort so that you're doing the right kind of things and you've got the organizational structure that can survive somebody moving or passing on or whatever it might be where yeah. you, you lose maybe some core proponents there right so that's a big part of it is helping them not just chase after little things that might seem fun to do in their downtown revitalization, but do it in a systematic and coordinated sure. way so that it's got a lot, a, a much better chance of sustaining itself over the years. Right. So a little less of the two steps back, hopefully, right? We, we make right. a little more incremental progress. Well, great. We're, we're about out of time because I want to be, want to be respectful of your time. Maybe tell me, a, maybe tell me a town that you, as I've branched out into, into Utah now, maybe down in the area where the region that you're at, that you say, Hey, here's a small rural town, Dax, that you need to come talk to folks down here. Well, it could be even the town I'm in. I'm, I'm in Mount Pleasant. Okay. We have a great historic downtown. It's a his, it's a commercial district, but it's historic district. So there are tax incentives that might be available there. They've been a Main Street program before under the old uh, Utah program. But even any of them in San Pete County, Ephraim has great potential. Manti, even Fairview. So I'm working with some building owners in Fairview, which has mm-hmm. a very small downtown, but still they want to do something. So you can't go wrong with any of them Very in cool. San Pete County. And even getting here, you'd have to drive through some others. Like That's Maine. right. That's true. You go further south to Gunnison. And Morgan is one that we have worked with, too. You know, we've been trying to work with them on their uh, commercial street. So there's plenty of options, plenty of options are. out there, which is exciting. And now that we've sort of, you know hopefully got through this pandemic that's one of the things that i i want to be able to get back to doing is not i mean zoom calls are great we can hop on easily roger you're down in san Pete county i'm here in salt lake and have this conversation but part of what i love is getting out in the communities which which obviously you do as well and going on road trips and that's what i was as a kid you just drive through you never took the interstate you took the the, the back way to get to pocatello or wherever it was to drive through the little communities so i look forward right. to it so I'll, I'll include your contact information um, if that's okay, Roger. So if people who have questions, but otherwise, is there a, is there a main website for the Main Street program, the the new one that we have going, or a way that folks can find it? Not yet. Okay. That's that's a state government. Of course. <laughs> yes. Understood. Sometimes it yeah. So I, that's I coming, along, but it's not there yet. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll keep looking for it. So my last question re- related to the to traveling around Roger is I, in any situation I'm in when I'm teaching class or I do corporate training or any sort of ice breaking, I always like to ask what I call the road trip music question. So I grew up with parents who love music. I love music, a wide range. And I love to hear people's own experience with music. So let's say we're leaving Salt Lake and we're starting that drive down to San Fink County, whether it's Mount Pleasant or Fairview, or we're going to continue on to Gunnison, whatever it is. And we're outside of, I guess we got to say we're like past 
Payson and Springville and maybe even past Nephi so that we feel like we're actually, well, we got to turn off before that. So we're, we're actually out of the Wasatch Front, so we feel rural again. What are we going to listen to? I turn them over to you, Roger, and say, you're, you get to pick the musician, the artist. Who are we going to listen to on our rural road trip? A lot of pressure there. It is. It's the hardest question you got all day. <laughs> well, so Van Morrison is the... Oh, my goodness. I love Van Morrison. So he's my go-to uh, travel companion if I just want good music to listen to. But I like country music as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great choice. Well, just one final thing. I like to listen to some of the local radio stations. Yeah. You just kind of get a flavor. That's true. You do. Well, those are those are all three things that I love. I grew up on, especially classic country. I love that. And Van Morrison, I, ha I have some young children, and it, it really makes me happy when I hear a request from, like, my 7-year-old, now 8-year-old, who will say, can I listen to Brown Eyed Girl or, you know, Into the Mystic even? And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm doing something right, hopefully, if they're requesting Van Morrison. So, Roger, th thank you so much for being on, on, the, on the podcast. I get the feeling... Um, that our paths will cross as I start talking more and more in, in rural Utah communities because of the great work that you're doing and the, and the organizations that you're part of. So keep up the great work, and I will be in touch, and, and just thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you. And um, I'm going to put out an invitation to you. If you would ever want to be a presenter at one of our monthly webinars, if you had a topic that you thought would be just the things you've been talking about, you know, what? Even if it's just your observations of what works and doesn't work in small towns and where do they go? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, Roger. I'd love to even not, I mean, I, I'm flattered. I, I appreciate the offer and I'd love to just sit in. So I'm going to, I'll reach out and make sure I'm on the, the right email distribution list for those things. And I'd love to, I'd love to present. I'd love to just be a fly on the wall. And like I said, I think you and I have been, you know, you've been in this business a lot longer than me, but I mean, we're, we have the same passions and concerns and, and I, any way that I can help you, Roger, and what you're doing in this group, I, I'd be more than happy to help out. So, okay. Have a great Thanks. day. We'll talk soon. My thanks to Roger Roper for taking the time to be on the podcast, for his many years focusing on rural main streets and his lifelong commitment to and passion for historic preservation in Utah and elsewhere in the West. And thanks again to all you listeners. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends and please subscribe to and rate the podcast so we can continue to get the word out there. Thanks again all. Be kind and stay safe.